Welcome to the Excellent Exo Chat with Bill and Nora. Our podcast is meant to educate, inform, and discuss the ever-expanding topic of exotechnologies. If you are interested in exoskeletons, robots, or automated systems, you should listen to us. We will be discussing how these technologies impact you through chats with experts and users from around the world. Hey, Nora, how are you doing? I'm good, Bill. How are you doing today? Doing good. Uh, I've got a surprise topic for us today. Oh, I already, I already know this is going to be a good one. I love the surprise well, I topic. Well, think, I think it's going <laughs> to be good. So a couple weeks ago, I was at a exercise, training exercise with a bunch of first responders, you know, law enforcement, bomb squad, canine teams, all of those kind of great folks. And, you know, I got to thinking and I was talking with one of our uh, subcommittees in F-48 this morning, too. We were talking about exoskeleton design and mm-hmm. guidance for that. And I got to think it's like, you know, there there's an issue that we really need to address, which is how do first responders help people who are wearing exoskeletons? Say there's an emergency and mm-hmm. you need to either evacuate or get that person out of an exoskeleton. What do they do? And, oh, and, and yeah. how do they do that safely? Because of some of the exoskeletons, many of the exoskeletons have, you know, what I would call it potential energy. So they have some some mechanism, whether it's a, a spring, a band, or actually a battery that's got some sort of potential energy some you know some sort of power in there and how do they get somebody out of an exoskeleton safely especially if they have to cut versus just unstrap (laughs) so what do you think about that what what, how do you do that well it's really funny so i mean first off to answer your question i don't know but immediately as you were talking about that it it made me think about back in the day prior to having jaws of life right when they would have to cut people out of a vehicle and how to do it safely and and again like you said it comes back to design and safety um you know we my i love the example that you always bring up with the fire drill right you're in an exo and you need to get that thing off and and exit the building in the time that you're allotted and if you can't that's that's a huge issue um a huge issue not only for safety but then again you have that situation where let's say emergency response comes into the building they realize that this individual is stuck in an exo right how what do they do Right. Um, and, and not only that, like we've said, it's not as if every EXO is the same. I, I mean, you just indicated yourself. You yeah. have powered, you have non-powered, you have, you know, EXOs that are lower body, EXOs that are upper body. Some have Velcro straps. Some are made out of different metals. Um Really, I, I mean, an individual could walk up to it and assume that it's the same one that they've seen before, and it's not. It's right. Completely different. And I think it really comes back to this need for standardization mm. and, you know, and what F48 is trying to do for the industry and in standardizing EXOs and, and the safety aspects. But back to your question of, you know, what do you do? It's, <laughs> it's like, you know, emergency responders walk in and it's immediately like, 
Holt, <laughs> let's, let's look at this and assess and see what we can do, right? Right, right, yeah. Ho- hopefully, you know, the easy solution is just unstrap it and take it off. Yes, right. yes. Or exactly. if you have to, leave it on and tote them out with it on, you know? Exactly, yeah. You you know, I haven't seen any exos yet that are like the Spider-Man movies with Doc Ops, you know, no. and, you know with like the smart arms, you know? So... Uh, you know, like you said, hopefully it's a situation where you can just un- unstrap the individual from the XO. You can just, you know, doff it pretty easily. But, you know, what about situations where, you know, unfortunately, like if a building collapses right. and someone is in an XO and they're they're in the rubble, right? Right. And then it gets a little hairy. Right. Um, well, and, and it gets really hairy if, say... The exoskeleton is deformed in some way from the accident, yeah, right? Warped. Yep. Right. So yeah. that changes things. The other thing is, you know, I was thinking about this while you were talking. It's like not just exos, but other technologies that you wear. So think of like the uh, VR, AR headsets and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, how do you deal with safety with those? Because obviously you've got, you know, you're, in a sense, you've got sensory deprivation from your current physical environment because you're in this this virtual digital environment. So right. say you've got your VR, you know, goggles on and your your earbuds headphones, or headphones, yeah. whatever, <laughs> and the fire alarm goes off and you're just completely oblivious to this. Oh yeah. You're in your own, literally in your own little world. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. You know, what What do people do right now? What guidance do people do? It's like, is there someone designated to, hey, these people are in the VR thing right. playing. You need to go get them. They won't know yeah. that they need to evacuate. Exactly. You know, and it's really funny because as a parent, you see it when your child is growing up. Having having a four-year-old, I mean, you turn on a show and he is oh, yeah. completely, I could say his name five times and he's not looking at me. Right. But as a parent, I know I know that in a situation of an emergency, God forbid there's a fire or something where I need to evacuate with my son and he's watching a show, I do know that he's not going to react. Right. I need to grab him. Right. But as you get older, as people get older and they become, you know, more their own person and, and they don't have a, a mother hovering over them, right? Mm-hmm, right. Um, <laughs> like you said, you know, these individuals that are in these, you know, they have their... The, the eye glasses on and they're playing their games and they have their headphones going. It's almost as if these, um, these electronics need to pick that up. Right. Sense that something's going on in the outside world that alerts the user. Right. I mean, you would think <laughs> like, so I will go to the even broader category of just wearables. Everything right. from, you know, gloves to watches, you know, the electronic mm-hmm. gloves and watches and even like, you know, some of the full body suits that they use for digital motion capture and all that. So all of those things have some p- impact on your senses, maybe one sense, maybe multiple right. senses. Mm-hmm. At some point, I think there needs to be some guidance about if this basically over seeds a certain sense that's important Mm -hmm. for a safety consideration there needs to be like something put in place if something does happen right 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 yeah i mean it's just like you have on your phones and everything else or on your on your television or your eye on your uh, laptop 
you can only put the volume so high. Right. Um, similar to other situations like an oven. The oven can only go so hot. Now, granted, it's really hot. And right. I don't want to put it on a nine, $9.99 level. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, they have those, I feel, safety aspects built into them. But... You come back to these newer technologies such as wearables and exos where where you're still trying to figure those things out. Like what what is the maximum level? What is the highest level of safety that you can have with these? Right. And then how do you translate that in situations where you have emergencies and emergency responders need to interact? Right. And I'll, I'll go the opposite way, too. So we're looking at wearables, including exos and other thing for first responders mm-hmm. so obviously the exo in this case is there to help the responder do their job and sometimes responders jobs and a lot of times is interacting with other people right if the exo is changing their sensory perception like their mm-hmm. sense of touch or right. any of the other senses how is that going to impact how they interact with another person? And and I mean like touching, moving, uh, and in some cases physically restraining. Right. How do we deal with that? Because now we've got a different kind of interaction than what is expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. It's almost like uh, you know, as you're saying that, it's 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 almost when I think about originally, I always wondered how emergency responders could get into a house that was locked, right? (laughs) I I, I always did. I always did. I never really knew how that worked, Um, not knowing that there was like a a key, right, that works on every lock (laughs) that opens the doors pretty much. They don't often have that, (laughs) but yes, that is one way it could happen. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, we had a situation at our old house where we had an emergency. My son had a a febrile seizure seizure and, and we had a... A door to our screened-in porch and then a door to the to the front. Both of them were locked. Right. And, and they got through both of them. Right. And I remember thinking to myself, I know I didn't unlock those doors, you know, like after all of this, right? Right. It's almost as if, you know, these, you know, wearables need some type of universal unlocking, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Know? A universal way that you can get someone out of the EXO or get them out, get the wearable off of them. Sure. Um, in a universal way, right? Because again, you have all these different EXOs and all these different wearables that are out on the market right now, and that's, re- I mean, that's really difficult. I can't even imagine being a first responder trying to figure out how to even approach that. Right, and think of thinking the I'll say the mess with like all the different charging cords you have for computers mm-hmm. oh and phones and all that kind of stuff. It's like you know when you go yes. on travel, I feel like I'm packing more cords than I am like clothes yes. and other things. Right? Oh yes, oh yes, yep, yeah. Oh, and do you remember back when like you know the iPhone they changed the charging cord from sure. the fatter sure. USB to the smaller USB? Sure. Yeah, you know, um, it it is. It's it's it's. 
it's so frustrating first right. let's talk about the cables that's another podcast <laughs> yeah we should talk about cables <laughs> but, but yeah i agree i mean you know it's like it's when you see you know those cartoons and someone's in the jail cell and the person comes down and he stole the keys and there's this huge key ring and let's try to find the right key, key that goes right, in the door right, right? Right, right i mean in situations of emergency that emergency responders they can't they can't do that we're talking about life and death here so being able to have some sort of not even if it's just universal way of donning and doffing or, or addressing, but but a way to understand, um, you know, a way to understand what they're working with and well, what and they're think, dealing with. You know, I think the simple thing that we're we're probably going to to try to push is is consistent labeling. Right. Oh, yeah. That's, that's you know, that's a good place to start with that. It, even mm-hmm. if you couldn't get everybody to agree, like, here's the basically the seatbelt version for exos where everybody right. can get in and out the same way. At yeah. least let's get some consistent labeling on things. And I would oh, argue yeah. for for wearables in general, it's like, OK, let's get some consistent labeling so people know uh, what to do with these things. That would be yeah. really cool. It is really, you know what, that is really cool. And I'm lucky enough to have um, Committee D13 on textiles. And one of their standards is labeling. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So they have different, like, um, laundry care, right? Right, right. Um, you know, the bleach and the wash and the iron and the hang right. dry. And and absolutely. I mean, we, I, I have emails that come in from all over the world asking if we have, you know, printed versions of those that can be ironed on to the clothing that they are producing. Oh, nice. Same thing for exos, right? I mean, not necessarily. I mean, we did talk about caring for and washing and cleaning an exo. But again, like you said, being able to have some sort of labeling that is uniform across all the exos that not only can address care, wear and care, but also in emergency situations, how do you get these off? Right. And and I'll I'll bring up another topic. We won't do this today, but I think we should do this in a future one, which is the integration of these wearable type technologies, including exoskeletons, into the current gear of responders. Oh yeah. How do we approach that? What's the right way to do this? What's the what's the wrong way to do this? You know, I think right. there's a there's a lot of things we could discuss on that. And because there's a lot of opportunities for that, you know, basic technology to really help the responders out do their jobs and and make sure they're not getting hurt because it's it's a very difficult job they have and they often have problems with their backs and knees and other places because of their their job. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, you know, and and coming back to just the wearing of the exos that we were talking about and and the care labels. I mean, just just identifying whether or not if you go to cut the the exo if it's going to cause a spark. Oh right? yeah. Yeah, you that know? would that would be good to um, know. <laughs> yeah, you know, like is there potential for sparking um, you know, like melting, right? Yeah, I- like what's the melting um degree of that? But you know, I agree. A future podcast doing something about how exos can help first responders, I think, is really important and critical, especially when you take a look at, you know, just right off the off the bat, I'm thinking of firefighters. Uh, you know, the last thing that a firefighter wants is to be wearing an exo and the exo accidentally ripping 
mm. um, a hole in in a in a firefighter's jacket or their pants or you know. So I think that again is a really important topic that we can do in a future podcast. But I, I'm really excited about the different work that is not only going on within ASTM, but, you know, some of our partners such as HFES and, and other, you know, NIST and the different universities that are all taking a look at, you know, EXOs and being able to communicate, um, you know, between how to address them in emergency situations. So I'm really excited about where we're going with this in the future because I do think we're on the right track. Absolutely. Well, cool. It was great talking to you today, Nora. Thanks for everything. Yeah, you too, Bill. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to us today. Please share this podcast with your friends and join us next time.